Welcome Sunnybrook family. We'd like just to take the opportunity um, and thank you for joining us this morning for the worship service online. A couple different things you might need to be aware of this morning first. Um, if you have younger kids or even teenagers, we would encourage you to, if your younger kids need to walk around even at times during the service, we would say that that's, that's okay and to let them do that also for, if you have older kids or teenagers, if you would like to assign somebody to opening with prayer or closing in prayer or getting the communion ready, we would love for you to do that. Also throughout the service this morning, it'll be a little bit different. There are going to be two times where we're going to have specific questions that come up on the screen. Um, if you want to stop the video at that point and talk through those things as a family, as a group, um, that would be great. Um, if you want to keep going with the sermon, you can keep doing that as well. Um, otherwise, we're just so glad that you're joining us this morning and hope that you enjoy our time together as we worship God.
A reading from Revelation chapter 4. After this I looked, and there in heaven was an open door. The first voice that I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and there was a throne in heaven, and someone was seated on it. The one seated there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian stone. A rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald surrounded the throne. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the throne sat 24 elders dressed in white clothes with golden crowns on their heads. Flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder came from the throne. Seven fiery torches were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Something like a sea of glass, similar to crystal, was also before the throne. Four living creatures, covered with eyes in front and in back, were around the throne on each side. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like an ox. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings. They were covered with eyes around and inside. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, 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 Lord God the Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to the one seated on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before the one seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne and say, Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I was probably in the first or second grade. I remember finding out at school that day that it was that day that we were about to have our smallpox vaccinations. I don't remember who, I'm dating myself here, but I don't remember who it was specifically that decided this was the best way to handle it, but take 20 or 30 odd um, first or second graders, put them in one room, and then watch um, your classmates utterly lose their minds as the nurse comes in and tries to give each of them individually uh, a vaccine. And the nurse uh, would say, um, don't look at the needle, look at me. Don't, don't, lo don't look there, don't look there, it'll scare you. Look at me. And, and I'm, I'm wondering... Do you look at it? I, I didn't at first. At, at first I was so afraid. I was so concerned. It just looked so sharp that I, I had to either look away or look at her. And then I went through a period where I just decided it might be best if I just close my eyes. What do you do? Do you close your eyes? Do you look away or do you look at the one who came and promised that they could bring you help. This morning, we are going to be looking at some very wonderful pictures that John has given to us in Revelation chapter four about God. And these pictures are given to a church. And I don't know exactly how they're doing, but I can only imagine, knowing the circumstances that were just swirling around them, that there must have been a tremendous amount of concern at best 
scared, maybe even terrified. And it's at this moment that God reveals himself and makes himself known. Uh, This morning, we're going to be doing a couple things that are a little bit different. And one of them is uh, we're going to have a time for you to stop and to engage uh, with some, some questions. And the first one that I want to ask you as we study through Revelation 4 and God the Almighty is this. What do you do when you are scared? Where do you go? And who do you look for? When I was a kid, and, and maybe it was because my mom was a nurse, I, I looked to her. I would be scared and I would be afraid about something. And because of some medical issues that happened to two of my sisters, I really felt that I had a reason, that I was actually being a logical thinking, reasoning child. And whenever I had a concern, a medical concern, I would go to my mom. She's a nurse. She can help. And, and then my problems in life got more complicated. They got more difficult. I remember realizing later on in life when all of a sudden it wasn't a medical issue. It became, and I went through a period of deep concern about some financial mistakes or choices that I had made. And then I find myself, where do I go? Where do I go? My mom really can't fix this. And I was really grateful that my dad could. And I would go to my dad and he would give me advice or just straight up assistance. And then I came to one of the most difficult and painful realizations in my life. That as wonderful as my mom were and as capable and as wonderful and as capable as my dad was, the older I got and the more responsibilities I assumed, and then as the world just kept expanding and getting greater and greater and bigger and bigger, I came to a realization that there are only, there are some problems that only God himself can help with. And that's really what we're looking at this morning. We're, we're getting ready for Easter because that's coming up in a couple of weeks. And so we really thought that as we prepare for Easter, that we're going to do it by looking at two very powerful chapters in the Bible that go back to back, Revelation 4 and Revelation 5, that draw us in and say, God speaking, look at me. And then we have this wonderful picture, that's Revelation 4 that we're dealing with right now, and then Revelation 5, when God says, look at my son, look at him, look at what he has accomplished, and we will use these two weeks to help prepare our hearts and our minds, not only for the circumstances that we're dealing with right now, but in celebration of Easter that's just a few short weeks away. And so I want to ask you, before we really begin to deal with the specific material of the text, I want to ask you this question. Like, can you see God right now? In light of everything that is happening around us, like, can you see him? Can you recognize him as being strong and powerful? Do you recognize him in his splendor and majesty? Probably there are some of you that are going to be thinking, no, I I can't see him. It's like he's too far off. I, I need something to help me see him. Would this help? But not, well, I guess not binoculars, like children's binoculars. Maybe that will help me see God. Well, let's be honest, these really aren't going to help. After all, they're, they're for children. 
Well, maybe what I need is something more grown up. Have you, have you done this? Kind of thought, maybe what I need is a more a grown up perspective, a, a, a more thought out understanding of who God is. And here I am with my binoculars. And I don't know about you, I can never really get these things to work. It's hard to get them all lined up and it just seems like, it seems like I'm missing most of the picture. And although there might be something really, really far away, I have never really felt that these are helpful for me to get a good understanding or a good perspective of what is happening all around me. Sure, I might be able to see something that is really, really far away, but what if God isn't really, really far away? Well, what can I use to help me see who God is? Well, I know God is magnificent and he is full of splendor and he is radiant. Maybe this is what I need. Sunglasses? But if you think about it, sunglasses actually don't give you the right understanding of the world around us. They actually are a, a filter to filter out certain things to keep our eyes from actually seeing things as they truly are. And so although it might make sense for us when we're looking at God and his brilliance and in his magnificence that we might need something to kind of shelter us, the book of Revelation doesn't do that. The book of Revelation says, no, I, I want you to see him. And I want you to see him in his fullness. I don't want you to see him through a filter. I want you to look at God in the fullness of who he is. But I'm getting older. I just need help. Is this what I need? To be able to see God and to understand him? You know, it, it, it's not binoculars and it's not sunglasses. It, it, it's not even an issue of magnification, what John offers us this morning to help prepare us for Easter and the time in which we live today is he gives us this. He, he gives us what Beth read, Revelation chapter four. This is the picture of who God is. And John is given this by God to give to the church to help calm them, to help settle them, to help them see the fullness of who God is. And right now, I definitely believe that it is what the church needs today, today, to, what the church needs today. And so I'm asking you, can you see him? Can you see God the Almighty? Now, the first thing I love about this, this, this name for God is described in the book of Revelation, particularly in chapter four, is that when I say, can you see him? The only reason why we even can see him is because God himself has prepared the way. Look with me in our text, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. It begins, this revelation, by saying, and there in heaven was an open door. Previously in chapter 3, John makes the statement to the church in Philadelphia that I stand before you, there is a door, Jesus speaking, I stand before you and there's a door that stands open. Any door that is open that I have opened, you cannot shut, and any door that is shut, you cannot open. The picture that we have of God is we're able to do this because a door has been opened and it's been opened from his side. God sees us in our struggles. God sees us in our difficulty. And what does he do? He opens a door. He opens a way so that you and I can see him. And when the door is opened and we can see God, what do we see? The first thing that we see, Revelation chapter four, verse two, and there was a throne in heaven and that throne, the symbol of authority and the symbol of power, there's someone on it. 
Now, I know it says there is someone that was seated on it, but we know who that is. But just the fact that someone is on it actually matters because in times, so for the for time in uh, the book of Revelation, the church would be concerned who is on the throne, who is governing things, who is the one that, that can speak power and authority over my life and into my circumstances. Caesar said, I can do it. I can speak with power and authority. I can promise you peace and provision. And God says, no. Like, he can't. Only I can. And that's the picture that you and I are able to draw from the book of Revelation, that when God opens the door and reveals a clear picture of who he is, it's not even the throne that is described John doesn't go into careful detail describing what the throne looked like. No, there is someone who is seated on it. It is occupied. You know, this throne room idea actually appears in the Old Testament as well. In Isaiah chapter 6, in the year that the king of Israel had died, a good king, Isaiah sees a vision, and in that vision, he sees God on a throne. There's a time when Israel was going through a period of really, really, really bad kings. And Ezekiel is drawn up into heaven and he sees this picture of God on a throne. It is those times when the people of God find themselves unsettled, find themselves concerned, find themselves looking for authority or looking for direction and God says, look at me, look at me. I want you to look here. Look at me at who I am and look at where I am. I'm actually on a throne. It's important for us to remember, but John doesn't end by just saying, and someone is seated on it, and his name is God. No, he goes on to describe with powerful images what the throne room in heaven actually looks like. The first thing that we see, Revelation chapter 4, verse 3, and a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald surrounded the throne. Rainbow. <laughs> That draws me back to the book of Genesis. After God had made the world and then God had judged the world, God sent a, a sign, a promise, in the form of a rainbow that he will never allow the world to be destroyed by a flood again. And rainbow became a symbol of God's promise, of God's faithfulness, of God's mercy to us. And looking in Revelation chapter four, you and I get this picture in the uncertain time in which we currently live, of God not only having authority and power, but God extending mercy and promise and hope. And those are words that you and I need. John continues on, not just about what is around the throne, but then he says it is surrounded by, not just a sign or not just an image, but it is surrounded by the 24 elders. 24 elders, they see him, and what do they do? Revelation chapter 4 describes it. They worship him. Who? God the Almighty. There really isn't a lot of debate about who the 24 elders are. Their names are never given. But you don't have to know math really, really well to say, oh, well, yeah, there are 12 tribes of Israel and there are 12 disciples. And I don't think it's particularly Reuben and Judah and Benjamin and Simeon and Levi or Matthew and uh, Peter and James and John and... No, do you see it? 
It's a picture of all of the Old Testament saints gathering together with all the New Testament saints represented by the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 disciples of Jesus Christ. And they are there in the presence of God. And what are they doing? They are worshiping him. They are so caught up in his presence. They are so ready to respond to his presence that they fall down and they worship him. And not only them, I love this fact that John is given this picture from God that it's not just humanity. The Bible speaks, particularly in the Psalms, about how all of God's creation just loves to cry out to him. What does John see? Four living creatures. These four living creatures representing all of creation. They see God and what do they do? They worship him. Who? They worship God, the Almighty, the one who is sovereign, the one who is in control. Now, I want you to remember what I'm describing here is happening in heaven. And I'm fine if you say, so it's easy for them. They're already through it. They're already beyond it. No, 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 I get that. But I want you to understand that this is a picture that has been given to John to give to his church to say, listen, I really need you to see something that you can't see. Something that is still very, very real, but you just can't see it. And binoculars and glasses and sunglasses and the best of your um, magicians and wise men, the best of your scientists, the best of your thinkers, they cannot see this. This is something that is a revelation from God, a truth that is revealed from God to us. And it comes down to us and we see who God is so that we can remember in the midst of our difficult circumstances Instead of being drawn and captured and scared by our circumstances, instead of being swayed, we actually become centered on the throne and on those who have a clearer understanding of who God is. And we see, what are they doing? They're worshiping him. And I love, I now see the book of Revelation centering around these two chapters, Revelation 4 and Revelation 5, as God is speaking to some people who just need a word of encouragement. And the word of encouragement is not about their circumstances. It is about him, his authority and his power and his worth. The truth is, is that the church, whenever it finds itself in difficult times, it does this. The the, the church, when it is overwhelmed by what is happening around it, looks to centers itself around, and then also worships God. That's why we continue to do this. We continue to gather. Um, We used to gather in a room that looked like this, and and now we gather in rooms that look, take a look around, our homes. And that is where we gather, but it's not where we gather, it's where we look when we gather. And so the church, whether we're in here or whether we're in there, We look to, we center on, and we worship God. Had an opportunity this past week to actually sit in a webinar from uh, a very learned man uh, at Baylor University, and he led a lecture on the great epidemics of the past and how the church responded. He tells an amazing story. I did not know the story at all, but of a city known as Ion in England, The year is 1665, and there is a young man named George Vickers who comes to the city of Ion, 
And he came just to help a particular tailor who had recently received a bunch of cloth from London. London had just gone through the plague and nobody knew that the cloth that was shipped actually also shipped the fleas that transferred the plague. It didn't take long until this small little tiny village of about 800 people began to get sick. And then the church gathered together. And what an amazing testimony as I read the story of this small little town in England. As two different pastors, the church at that town was going through some difficult times. These two pastors that didn't necessarily get along came together and they began to say, okay, what are we going to do and how are we going to respond? And they were able to respond faithfully, loving one another and caring for one another and even doing something that was a real shock and is still talked about to this day in many parts of England where when the pastor called everybody together, he said, listen, th this is something that God has um, allowed us to endure, but he has not abandoned us. And here is how we're going to love one another. And here is how we're going to even to love our neighbors. And he began to preach a series of messages and a series of challenges where he asked the people to quarantine themselves to protect the villages that were all around them. And I, I just am moved by the courage and the faithfulness. What sustains a people like that? What allows them to endure such difficult circumstances? The answer is a clear picture of who God is. I don't know if they used Revelation chapter 4, but that's where I'm going right now. When I find myself almost more drawn or captivated or even spooked, by news or events, to remind myself that right now in heaven there are 24 elders and all the creation and they are gathering around the throne and they never stop saying, holy, 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 Lord God the Almighty, who was, God always has been. We look back on, do you remember a couple of weeks ago? Do you remember a couple of years ago when things were so different? Yeah, God was there. The God who is. I think this is a question that a lot of us are asking. Um, man, does God see this? Does God see what's happening? And the answer is yes. And I love this promise. And the God who is to come, he is the God of past, present, and future. And that is what we take great hope in this morning. Now, as we begin to kind of wind towards an application, I want to give you as, as families or individuals time to ask yourself another question as we think about God's presence sustaining us, God's presence providing hope for us. In light of what is going on and in light of this text in Revelation 4, in light of how we're going to be preparing our hearts and minds for Easter in just a couple of weeks, how are we as a church or how are we as a family going to turn our attention to God and see him more clearly this week? Well, that's why it's good for us to be reminded of the power and the presence of God. For, for many people, the idea of God is something that is very, very far away, but, but not for John and, and not for the church. 
Although that it might seem like he's in heaven and he's very, very far away, the Bible always describes God as being very, very real, very, very present, very, very with us. Heaven is a part of our universe. It might be a different dimension, but the Bible describes God as always being close, as God always being real. And this is what God reveals about himself. Notice how the book of Revelation chapter 4, verse, uh, Revelation chapter 4 ends. And, and these people who are singing and speaking, they remind us of this. They say this. Our Lord and our God. Our Lord and our God. It's not this God who is, but the God who is ours. Our Lord and our God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things. And by your will, they exist and they were created. This morning. How do we prepare our hearts and our minds for this upcoming week? We rest in the fact, we trust in the fact that God himself created all things. God the Almighty, the one who is sovereign. This word only appears in one other New Testament reference. Paul uses it one time in his letter to the, to the, to the Corinthians. Every other reference is here in Revelation to a church that is struggling, to a church that is deeply concerned about the circumstances that are swirling around them. And God says, he reaches down and he says, I just want you to look at me. Can you do that? Can you look at me? Recently on, I think it was Twitter, someone decided that they would get a bunch of movie stars and they would sing this song by John Lennon called Imagine. And uh, I don't know if you know the song. You can Google it if you want. But it basically, the opening line is, imagine that there's no heaven. I don't want to do that. No, honestly, the reason why I don't want to do that is because that's not true. That's not real. God is real, and he is close to us, and he's not far away from us. There is no hope, and there is no joy in singing a song that denies the reality that God is and that God is close. Here's what I would tell my boys when we would pray, and I would do this almost every night. I, I would say to them in our time of prayer, and now, God, we thank you so much that we can sleep well because you do not sleep. Where did I get that idea from? Revelation chapter four. He is watching and he cares. He loves us and he has revealed himself. And he says, when those moments come up, moms and dads, I think it'd be good for you to demonstrate an ability to help your children kind of navigate any questions or concerns that they might have, brothers and sisters. I think it's good for us. And we don't tell other people just to look to us. We draw all of our attention to God and to who he is. And in him, we find rest and peace. I pray you find that this week as you worship and follow him. is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest rain, but only trust in Jesus' name.
So as we come to this time of communion, um, I think it's an awesome time for us to do two things. One, to remember, and then to, to celebrate. And so what do we remember? Well, at, at this time, it's really easy for us to think about this idea of sickness. Um, we are very, very conscious of, of what's going on around us and being aware of trying to keep safe distances and all those things so we don't get sick. And yet, I wonder how often we remember um, the spiritual sickness that we can be in. This idea of sin, that, that this almighty God that we've seen in Revelation 4 has set a standard for living in and a way that we live to bring glory and honor to him. And yet, so often we miss that mark. We choose our way instead of his way. Um, and I think it's good for us at this time of communion to remember um, that we do have a sickness that we can't deal with. Like there's nothing that we can do to make ourselves right with that God um, because we have chosen rebellion instead of his way. And so, like I said, this isn't just a time to remember, but it's also a time to celebrate that God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross to make us right with him, to take the punishment that we deserve for our sin um, so that we can be back in perfect relationship with our Father. And so, brothers and sisters, as we come before the Lord's table together, um, if you don't have uh, any, any bread or juice, I'm going to ask you just pause the video real fast and make sure you grab that. And now, um, as we come before the Lord's table together, um, I ask that you, you take the bread representing our Savior's body and eat well. And in the same manner, um, taking the juice representing the blood that was shed to make you right with the God of the universe, almighty God sitting on the throne, would you drink well? And now we have a time to give back um, to our amazing God who has richly, richly blessed us. Um, and so there's a couple ways that you can do that. Um, if you prefer giving online, you can go to the church website and do that there. Um, there's also a phone number that you can text right here. Um, and instead of the X's, just put the dollar amount that you want to give. Um, this is an awesome opportunity for you to partner with the many, many needs that uh, we see around the world, um, and even here in Stillwater, as we look to try and support uh, those who are in need during this time. And so we would encourage you, um, however you feel comfortable giving, to give back what God has given to you. Thank you for joining us this morning. I truly hope that you have felt God's presence and a connection to the church this morning. We're going to close our time in prayer, including a directed time of prayer that you can spend with your family. So please join me. Almighty God, we are so thankful that you are the foundation that we can build our house upon to help us weather uh, this kind of storm. God, I thank you for the book of Revelation and the glimpses that it gives us of your power and majesty and glory and just a reminder that it is you uh, that is in control. God, I ask that you help your church, help us to be the hands and feet of Jesus, help us to be a faithful witness for you. And now church, you pray, either silently or aloud, that God give you an opportunity to be a witness to others.
And God, I pray for our leadership, uh, the leadership of this church, our community, our state, our country, truly uh, for the leaders all around the world. Uh, I pray that you compel them to seek your guidance and that you give them a wisdom that can only come from you. And now church, you pray for the leaders in your home, uh, whether it be for uh, work-related decisions or just the decisions that need to be made concerning your family. Pray for a wisdom and a guidance in making those decisions. God, we trust in you. We trust in your uh, faithfulness, your goodness, your mercy, your love. Uh, God, we trust in your plan. Thank you for the peace and comfort that can uh, only come from a trust in you. God, I ask that you strengthen your church, uh, strengthen us as followers of Christ uh, during this season, all for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, again, thank you for being with us. Uh, continue to love one another, check on one another, care for one another. Please let us know if there's anything that we can do for you. We love you. We're praying for you. Go be the church. God bless.